0: Story 6, Viral Content, by Madeline Ashby. What do you mean, flu? Jeanette asked, nobody dies of the flu. Thousands of people a year die of the usual flu. Gloriana corrected her, but most of them are elderly or infants, or they already have compromised immune systems. It's not supposed to happen to healthy high school football players who can bench 250 and run a three-minute mile. I think this is something else. I want to find out more about it. Glory sat in her pod in Tacoma and waited for her editor to decide whether or not the story was worth paying for. Three states away, Glory's editor, Jeanette, pushed away from her desk and chewed her glow stick. It was the preferred brand of white ladies with inspirational memes hologramming across the walls of their offices. The glow stick bloomed purple in the slanting light of her California office. Jeanette exhaled matching smoke. It wreathed her face in temporary violets. This wouldn't be the first time she and her editor had tangled over the issue. But it might be one of the last. If she kept suggesting stories that Jeanette didn't think were really stories, she'd find herself out of a gig. This was the trouble with developing hyperlocal content with a corporation that spanned the entire United States. The corporation understood the role of local news. People tended to care more about whether traffic and weather were bad in their own area than in someone else's. You didn't care about speed bumps and road signs in someone else's town. You cared about your own. But try explaining the speed bump in context to a content director in another state, and it all went out the window. They wouldn't know about the mothers texting at midnight and getting coffee in the small hours of Saturday morning, trying to organize talking points for the next city council meeting. They wouldn't know about the kid who'd been run over at that intersection last year. They wouldn't know that the nearest emergency room was understaffed, making even the smallest accidents all the more deadly. They didn't know the whole story. So every single pitch was also a history lesson. And cutting that history lesson into a bite sized piece that Jeanette would eat, took up more of Glory's time than actually creating assets for the vertical. Jeanette looked doubtful. Well, see if you can talk to the parents. Get the release on some baby pictures if you can, old video, stuff like that. Watch the rights. The funeral homes like to copyright whatever they produce for the memorial. Tears rose in Glory's eyes. She had watched Tyrone Weathers play since he was in junior high. She'd watched his cousin Jeremiah go all state for Lincoln High and then go on to play for Oregon State. There was talk of a Seahawks scout. The same scout was interested in Tyrone, too. She'd met the Weathers family. She knew them, they knew her. They'd seen each other at tailgates, at bake sales, at car washes, at casino nights and silent auctions. They didn't need the money, but the school did. And the family invested just as heavily in their community, as they did in Okanagan Valley vineyards that gained them their fortunes. Okay, she said. I'll ask. She cleared her throat. But I think we can also turn it into a microcolumn on preventing the flu. Getting the flu shot. You know the content policy on discussing vaccines. Jeanette's voice was flat. Not just the flu shot, but any vaccines. We don't bring them up, bringing them up just brings up more drama. It draws the crazies out of the woodwork on both sides. The last time we mentioned vaccines, we got ransomware. Glory couldn't resist asking, isn't that good for engagement? Jeanette's brows crept up her forehead as far as her most recent fillers would allow. I'm going to pretend you didn't just ask me that. You know about the embargo, vaccines are on the list. There are just some things we don't cover. Jeanette took another drag from her glow stick. Make this a feel bad story. It's a dead child, a dead athlete from a good family. You have a big opportunity here. You could even turn this into a week long series if you're smart about it. A series of interviews, think pieces, Maybe a profile of the team, the coach, all that. Really, introduce the public to this team. There's a lot of our audience who doesn't know about this team or these games, but they should. Isn't that what you've always wanted? Isn't that why you pitched this beat when you got that grant? Glory bristled, like she always did, at mention of the grant for minority women in journalism that had helped pay for her spot here. And, like she always did, she held the anger inside, imagining years and years of pressure, turning it slowly into a diamond where her soft spots used to be. Jeanette’s style was toxic, but her instincts weren’t wrong. This was a good chance to share more about what made the team special with the community at large, and that was partially why she had pitched the beat. Tacoma needed a win. It had served as the poor cousin to Seattle for too long, the butt of too many jokes, whether it was about the aroma of Tacoma, or some bad sketch from the Almost Live revival on the Pirate Channel. By focusing on young athletes and their dedication to their teams, she could shine a light on all the things Tacoma was doing right. Finding a way to keep kids healthy by sponsoring athletics and other after-school programs. So she covered their fundraising efforts. She covered their injuries. When the girls volleyball team went to the state championship, she made sure to go and share the photos from her drone with the team parents. When the marching band hosted a spaghetti dinner to raise funds for new uniforms, she donated her time and funds. She attended harvest fairs and winter carnivals and spring flings. Her own experience of high school was terrible. She'd bounced between Lincoln and Stadium, kicked out of one and needing escape from the other. It struck her each time she walked the halls. There were the lockers where her head had been slammed in. There was the water fountain where someone had pulled her pants down. Now, she was an adult, and the hall seemed smaller, and the kids all looked so smooth and fragile, like tadpoles. And one of them was dead. You're right, in her experience, these were the magic words for dealing with Jeanette. You're right, it really is a good opportunity. It's a tragedy, but it's also an opportunity. Exactly, Jeanette said, I'm so relieved to hear you say that. Now see what you can get from the parents. Glory ditched her pod once the rain started, to find better internet coverage at the community center. The weather always played hell on her receivers. The corporate mailing list at her building said it had something to do with humidity, how the cables weren't designed to take the rising temperatures. On Wednesdays, the community center ran a killer deal on spicy teriyaki with macaroni salad and shredded cabbage for only ten bucks, or three cans of food for the food bank. It only cost two cans if you got the vegetarian option, and Glory always did. After she texted an interview request to the Weathers family, Glory started trawling the social feeds associated with the whole team, Remembrances from teammates were coming in fast, including photos and video. She sent form requests to a few of them, asking for permission for a quote. Jeanette would encourage her to just post the quotes without permission, given that they were made in public. But the ethics guidelines around minors were, in Glory's opinion, fairly clear. Beyond Mrs. Weathers, the biggest get would be Chastity Kane. Tyrone's girlfriend. Chastity and Tyrone had been together since the 10th grade. She was running for homecoming queen. Now the homecoming game was canceled. Chastity had already posted one video from the hospital where Tyrone had died. She was there, she said, in the room with him when it happened. One minute he was there, the next minute he was gone. And now she was in the parking lot crying her eyes out. There were already multiple offers to pick her up so that she wouldn't have to drive. It was the kind of offer that Glory wished more people knew about when they considered putting their kids in one of Tacoma's public high schools. The friends one made there were actually nice and did things like offer rides to girls who had just watched their boyfriends die. Glory had already interviewed Chastity last spring for her record smashing work on the girls tennis team. She sent what she thought was a thoughtful text. Chastity, this is Gloriana Parker from Blank Media. I want to say how sorry I am for your loss. I just saw your video. I know you'll get a lot of requests from other platforms to share it. So if you have any questions, don't hesitate to ask. I'm so sorry, please take care of yourself. It was weird at first, covering the activities of the rich and popular kids at her old schools. She had always been an outsider looking in, and now she was paid to look deeper. She tried to imagine what her adolescent self would have thought about texting the homecoming queen. She hadn't even gone to homecoming senior year. She had been focused on making the hardest decision of her life the one that had allowed her to pursue the career that brought her back to these halls. On the team's pages, Coach Billings and the team manager, Casey Rodriguez, had put out a very brief statement detailing what a leader Tyrone was, what an asset to his team and his community, how hard working he was on and off the field, and the fact that he would be missed by his team and his school as well as the obligatory thoughts and prayers. Glory sent Coach Billings a text. This is Gloriana Parker from Blank Media. I understand if you are spending time with the team and the Weathers family. However, I would really appreciate an interview later this week, as would fans of the team. It was the least smarmy thing she could think of. The district would be next and then probably the Weathers family via their social channels. Combined with Chastity's video and the other updates, that left her with more than enough possible pull quotes to develop a basic piece about Tyrone's death. The rest she could build from background. She had Tyrone's stats, old video of game making plays, even some clips from pep assembly skits. After obtaining one exclusive, she didn't, strictly speaking, need more today beyond a contact with the parents. She worked up her first column, tagged it, Urgent and Updating, and then filed it. The copy bot hadn't flagged anything as she wrote it up in the corporate UI, but the legal bot would need to take a look too, since there was the death of a minor in there. It would take a few minutes before they processed it and posted it. And even then, Jeanette might decide she didn't like it. That it needed more zazz, that it didn't adequately fulfill the corporate mandate. Glory pushed the remaining spicy tofu around her bowl and looked around at the other diners. Many of them were homeless or home insecure. The men, most of them white, wore patches on their jackets from their tours in Iran or Sudan. In one corner, an indigenous woman was leading an after-school program. As she watched, a woman sighed and got up from her table and wandered over to the wall beside where Glory sat. The woman smoothed a sticker photo over a new patch of wall. She was Hispanic, mid-60s, with a bad hip that was either sciatica or an old injury, at first. Glory thought the photo she'd posted was of a younger version of herself. Like some sort of modern art piece about lost youth and lost self. But no, in the photo was the older woman. This was her daughter. Missing, the wall read. Missing could mean a lot of things. It could mean runaway. It could mean trafficking. It could mean hiding away getting high or even hiding away trying to get sober. The analog photo wall, full of picture stickers, and printed images, was a safer alternative for those who didn't want to or couldn't talk to the authorities or safely share their information on the open Internet. The wall was a way to connect with community members who kept their eyes open. You never knew where you might see someone in passing a work farm maybe, or cleaning someone's house, or at one of those places where you taught medical chatbots how to have a better bedside manner. The wall had expanded to multiple walls now. In fact, it had devoured the entire cafeteria. Faces, young and old, white and brown and black, men and women, smiled and laughed silently from the surface. Some of the images were live gifts embedded into stereoscopic paper. They waved and kissed and danced. The woman turned and caught Glory staring. I'm sorry, she said, meaning that she was sorry for both this woman's loss and for having observed what should have been a private moment. She swallowed, the teriyaki didn't taste so good any longer. Let me look closer, she said, trying to sound hopeful. That way I'll remember. Glory stood up, folded her device, and shouldered her bag. She walked up to the photo and gave it a dutiful stare. The girl was pretty in a wholesome way. She wore pajamas with little cartoon penguins on them. Glory nodded once to herself and once to the woman, and then began to peruse the rest of the wall. Some of the photos had been there for years. They were the most inert, but also the best rendered. Some of them were actual real deal photos on actual photo paper. Some of them had been pulled from wallets and lockets. Some of them were even just keychains hanging off the wall from haphazardly placed thumbtacks. Some of them were photo sticker sheets that let visitors take stickers away. You saw the tiny sticker sometimes on devices, a whole communion of the missing. Their faces filtered through whichever trend was hot when they vanished. Sparkles, whiskers, hearts, palm tree backgrounds, wizard hats. Glory always wondered if she would even recognize these people if she were to see them, if she happened upon one of these faces on the street or in a park or Staring dolefully from the stoop of a building, would she be able to connect the smiling face from the photo with the one she actually beheld? Had she already passed them by? What if she'd walked right past one of these people, who had other people waiting for them, and she simply had no idea? She resolved to look even more carefully at the images. And this is how she saw him, Tyrone Weathers standing with his arm around a teenager that Glory didn't recognize. They each wore white t-shirts with an orange X spray painted across the front over lopsided football pads. Whatever team they were playing for, it was ad hoc at best. Glory had never heard of Tyrone playing for another team. She had no idea where he would have found the time, but here he was, playing on the same squad as a kid she didn't recognize, a missing kid. Glory plucked the photo off the wall. Hector, the back of it read, in thick Sharpie. A name and a string of numbers that looked like it belonged to a burner chat line. Glory reached for her device. She was about to search the number when the device lit up in her hand. Coach Billings' name scrolled across the surface. Glory, he said when she answered. Yeah, she said, you remember the piranha bar? Of course she remembered. The piranha bar had another name, the owner's name, maybe, or his wife's. But everyone knew it for the sign that promised you could feed live piranhas for five bucks which was cheaper than a movie and more exciting than a lap dance, since the city council had changed the laws regarding intimate proximity. Yeah, I remember. Can you meet me there? Right now? Yeah, right now, he said. Glory stared at the photo. She really wanted to call that number. On the other hand, billing sounded rough like he was ready to tell her something he shouldn't. She remembered that tone of his voice, as well as she remembered her head getting slammed into the lockers at Lincoln High. Gloriana, he said, and for a moment, she was back in high school, and they were in the back of his truck, back in the time when you could look up and still see stars at night. Please, he said. She found him at the back of the bar, in a booth doused in cough syrup colors by alternating Christmas lights. Now red, now green, now blue, now gold. He had the remains of a beer and a shot in front of him. When she sat down, he nodded at the bartender and held up two fingers. You think they do that because you're white or because you're a man, she asked. Do what? How everyone just pays attention to you, like they owe you, like they can't help it. It was part of what made Billings a good coach. It was what made him a good team captain, once upon a time. People listened to him. They noticed him and they wanted to do what he said. He was magnetic like that. I think it's because I tip well. They looked anywhere but at each other. Her thumbnail found a groove where someone had turned a swastika into an old Windows logo. She wished suddenly that her nail polish wasn't so chipped, that her cuticles weren't so ragged. She hid her hands in her lap. I'm sorry, she said. She felt like an idiot immediately upon speaking the words. You've probably heard that a million times today. It probably sounds stupid by now. But I am sorry, he was a great kid. Billings blinked hard, his eyes were bloodshot. She heard him take a deep, wet breath through his nose. Yeah, he was. Glory took notice of the napkin dispenser and thought of offering him some. But that be weird. For what it's worth, I think he would have gone all the way. Oh Hell yeah, Billings agreed. He wiped his eyes in a way that made it look like he was just pinching his nose to ease a sinus headache. Definitely. The server came with their beers and shots. Noticing their mood, she chose not to ask about food and merely left a laminated list of specials on the sticky table. They were well past happy hour. Billings picked up his shot and Glory picked up hers. Black and gold, she said toasting the team colors. Black and gold, he said. They threw back their shots. Glory had the sensation of cold amber relief rocketing down her gullet and into her stomach and her mind at the same time. It didn't taste like anything. She cleared her throat. The shot percolated through her blood and across her face. Now she could raise her eyes to meet his. He'd already started on his beer. I can't interview you if we're drinking, she said. Not really, background only. Is that why you texted, he asked. An interview? I sent you an interview request. That doesn't mean an interview was what you really wanted, he said. I thought you just sent that so you were covered at work. He threw himself back in his seat. My star player dies. And the first thing you ask me for is an interview? Jesus Christ, Gloriana. Her mouth opened and then snapped closed. I thought I should keep it professional, she muttered. I thought that was what you wanted. You said, I know what I said, damn it. He licked his lips. That was years ago, 18 months, whatever, it feels like years ago. I didn't know what to do when you came back. Seeing you there in those halls again, I freaked out, okay? I freaked out, and I said stuff. Glory wondered if maybe he'd been here a while before he called her. Maybe he'd been here for a happy hour and had taken full advantage. He was peeling the label off his beer. I said stuff I shouldn't have, he added quietly. Me too she admitted. He shook his head, working more diligently at peeling away the label. He had almost one whole edge free now. No, you didn't. You said what I needed to hear. You always do that. That's journalists for you, she said, comforting the afflicted, afflicting the comfortable. Now his red rimmed eyes rose to meet hers. Did you think I was comfortable seeing you again? Did I seem particularly comfortable to you? Glory had no answer for that. He hadn't seemed comfortable, no. He had seemed pissed off, pissed off that she'd shown up. Just like she had when they were in high school, to ruin everything. You seemed happy with where you were at, on the field and in life. You seemed like you had things figured out. This was her way of saying that she knew he had somebody, that they had a place together and a dog and there was a cube on the desk in the coaching office that had smiling images of the three of them playing fetch on Alki Beach during a day trip to the floating museum of West Seattle. I didn't want to mess that up, she added, yeah, well. He shrugged his shoulders and didn't finish the thought. What do you want to know about Tyrone? How long had he been sick? Billings jaw said, three days ago, like I said. Glory tilted her head, really? Don't look at me like that. He told me he was sick three days ago. Players lie about being sick all the time, if it means they'll get to keep playing. You had access to his wearable stats. It's only a matter of time before the health examiner gets a warrant for them. Then she can get a warrant for the whole team if she wants. If she finds out he had a fever and played anyway, it's your ass on the line. She sipped her beer. Was he throwing up during practice? It happens sometimes. During workouts, he seemed fine, no fever, I kept him hydrated. I took it easy on him once I noticed. You let him in the locker room with the other players? He flinched. When he spoke, his voice was barely above a whisper. Yeah. Yes, I did. Is there a chance he could have passed whatever this is onto the rest of the team? His eyes rose. He said nothing. Mark? Glory whispered. Mark, you have to tell me. This is serious. We have to figure this out. We have to tell the kids. We have to tell their parents. If the league cancels the games, that's what you're worried about right now? The games? If they cancel the games, it'll screw the stats, he said. Half my players have wearables now. Implants, haptic jerseys. It's the new thing. They need to log in-game hours so the scouts can see their numbers, heart rate, blood pressure, eye tracking, all of it. Any time they spend logged out during regular season play is suspect. Glory sank deeper into her seat. He was right about that. Fewer games and fewer practices meant fewer chances to prove themselves, whether it was to the scouts or the scouts' algorithms. On the other hand, if what Tyrone had was in any way communicable, the odds were that he'd already passed it on to his fellow players. Anyone they came in close contact with, their partners, their siblings, even members of the teams they played against, would be vulnerable. This is crazy, Glory said. You have to tell them. It's fine, Mark insisted. He pulled out his device and zoomed open a literal heat map of all the players on his starting lineup. Beside their numbers were more numbers. Temperature, resting heart rate, hours slept. See? Perfectly healthy. Is that from the devices they wear during game time? No. Those are mounted in the jerseys and helmets. It's their decision whether or not to wear them and share that data. This is just from a free app that's built into their watches or their wristbands. Most of them got it as part of a community healthcare initiative back when they were in junior high. It was part of a study on how insulin resistance impacts cognitive development. I tweaked it a little. He paused and seemed to notice the expression on her face. What? I'm more than just a pretty face, you know. I took app development just like everybody else back when. I didn't say anything. You were thinking it. Glory sipped her beer to hide her smile. She reminded herself to stay focused. She'd come here to talk about Hector and Tyrone, not the past. It was time to bring out her evidence. She withdrew the photo she'd grabbed at the community center and slapped it down on the table. Who's this? Mark Billing stared at the photo for a beat too long. She watched sobriety trickle down his face and through his limbs. He paled. The hairs on her arms rose. She had seen him this scared exactly once before. Oh, he said. Shit. Who is this other kid, Mark? Hector, the one standing next to Tyrone. Mark shook his head slowly. He dragged his gaze from the photo and rested it on Glory's face. His eyes were strangely bright. Please, Glory, he said. Don't follow up on this, it's not worth it. Not worth what? Who is it? I don't know, I don't know his name. I didn't, I mean, until just now. Do you know where this photo was taken? His eyes flicked back to the photo. Glory insisted. Do you know why I would have found this photo on a wall of missing people? Don't, he said. Please, Glory. Gloriana, I'm asking, please don't investigate. You've got a good thing going with this job. And I can promise that whatever you find, Your bosses won't like. If you ever, if we ever, he swallowed. Look, I know what I said last time, and I know I was a prick, but honey, Glory flinched. We're done here, she said. She felt herself stand up. You had your shot, Mark. You blew it. I'm going to find out what's going on here, and I'm going to publish it. If you have a problem with that. You'd better figure it out. Glory went to bed that night, resolved to contact the number on the back of the photo. But a day later, she still hadn't figured out the right way to do it. Finding the right device to even place the ping from was half the problem. Her usual contact for that sort of thing was busy and hadn't texted back. In fact, she wondered if maybe the supplier was hemmed up in some way. Maybe they'd gotten busted. And if she wanted to protect her source, and sources who put photos of kids on the wall needed protection. She needed to be careful. She would have to wait for a secure line of communication. In the meantime, she couldn't tell Jeanette what she'd found. Not least because if she was right, the story would wind up on the embargoed list. There were certain things the company said its content developers couldn't develop content about. Vaccination was only one item on that list. Every year, there was at least one more. And if Mark's reaction was any clue, this was the kind of story that the company was just waiting to cross off the list, no matter how important it might be to the people of Tacoma. I think we're looking at a potential public health hazard, Glory told Jeanette the next day. Whatever Tyrone had, it was strong enough to kill him, and the rest of the team and school has been exposed. Did you talk to the hospital? They released a statement, but they're not answering follow ups. It's just the usual about getting vaccinated every year, washing hands, covering mouths, staying home, you know? But they still haven't mentioned exactly what type of illness it was. If it was a flu. What strain? If it was something else, they won't say. Did you talk to the parents? Glory hated herself for grinning, but she was right, and she knew it. And now Jeanette was about to know it too. I sent a request. And you know who answered with a pre-written statement, requesting privacy during this difficult time? It wasn't the parents. Who was it? a crisis management firm from Seattle. Why would Tyrone's family hire PR consultants to answer emails about their son? Jeanette sucked hard on her glow stick. Drugs? Glory thought of the heat map Mark had showed her. I don't think so. Tyrone never had an issue with that before. He certainly didn't need any performance enhancement to get into school. His parents can pay for it. And during the regular season, he logged his wearable data for scouts. I doubt he was doing anything that might make the data set look suspicious. Jeanette nodded, okay. Well, let's focus on the process of elimination. How are the other players? Glory didn't always like Jeanette. But she liked it when they could get into a groove together, thinking along the same lines. Tyrone's girlfriend is sick, she said, the one whose video we posted. It's possible that's why Tyrone's parents hired a crisis management firm. They might be sick, the other players might be sick, their siblings and friends and neighbors might be sick. Maybe Tyrone was patient zero. I think we're looking at something really big here. It was possible, Glory thought. That the only reason she herself wasn't sick, was because she worked mostly from home, and mostly alone. With a pang, she wondered about Mark. After all, he'd been in the same locker room with his players. He was just as exposed to whatever had killed Tyrone as the others. So you think this media organization should be spreading a panic? That's what you think? No. Said Glory, I think we should report the news. Well, I think you should watch your tone, Jeanette said. Call me back in an hour. I want an interview with those parents. What I don't want is to alarm people. Glory had seen enough of her company's coverage of other events to know that alarming people was in fact exactly what they wanted to do. It was their bread and butter. They thrived on it. But the presence of a crisis management firm also meant the presence of lawyers. If Glory insinuated the wrong thing about Tyrone or the team or the school, it might mean a libel suit. That meant she had to get the parents on record first. She had to give them a chance to say something newsworthy. Just because it's in the public interest doesn't make it interesting. Was how Jeanette sometimes described stories like these. They were the types of stories that small local papers used to cover before companies, like the one currently employing Glory, bought them all out and destroyed them. Once upon a time, there was competition for information surrounding stories like these. Now, it seemed like Glory was the only one interested in a public interest story. Just do it like we talked about was what Jeanette said now. Frustrated with herself and Jeanette, she pinged a former coach from Tacoma High, Paul Krauss, who had a killer handshake and a meandering interview style. He always gave up too much of the goods when she asked him about his own players. Maybe he'd heard something and would have too much to say about it now. Moreover, he'd coached Tyrone over summers in his Pop Warner years. He had a personal connection to the story. On both counts, he would want to talk. If nothing else, he could lend her some local color on whatever she wrote up next. I wondered if you would call, he said. I've gotten so many requests for Tyrone's game tapes, you wouldn't believe. Game tapes, she asked. What game tapes? Tyrone's old ones? Anything I have, Krause said. This events management outfit called me asking for them. For the funeral? Gloria asked. Man, I guess so. What a thing. I edited those clips to hype people up, you know? They're not exactly what you'd call solemn. Do you think the other players will ask for the clips too? I mean, if they have to cancel more games. Then they'll need as much video as they can get to show scouts. Why would they have to cancel more games? Well, if what Tyrone had is contagious, the school board might decide to wait. I mean, if Tyrone's team plays teams from other schools, the kids from other schools might get it too. Good Lord, I hadn't even thought of that. I thought he just had, you know, stomach flu, food poisoning, something like that. Glory crossed her fingers. Not only was she about to lie, she also needed a lot of luck. Well, I know that they've already canceled the Volunteer League games Tyrone was involved in. Silence. Glory stopped breathing. She shut her eyes, her fingers locked together painfully. Oh, I didn't know it was a league. Is that for a Shenandoah Baptist? He pinged me about a donation last year for their annual auction, just some of my time for one-on-one coaching. His mother is on the church council. He didn't say anything about a whole league, though. She let out her breath as quietly as she could manage. I guess I must have misheard something. Maybe it was just the one game. They hung up, awkwardly. And Glory stared at her little, lunar module of an apartment. It was really just a bedroom. In her building, the kitchens and even the showers were communal. It was the only way to deal with the real estate crisis. Now, all she could think of was the epic viral load waiting in any of those spaces. How long would it take something truly dangerous to make its way through the complex? Through the neighborhood? Through their town? And where had it come from? She looked at the image. She had a sick feeling she knew where it was taken. But she would have to verify that hunch on her own before jumping to conclusions. She needed that burner device, and she needed it now. Glory sat outside a gaming den, waiting for her contact while she scrolled through the Weathers family media profiles. Rain slithered down the walls of her auto, blurring the pulsing lights advertising this particular offshoot of the Museum of the City of Seattle. Beyond the lights, and inside the converted shipping containers, tourists could see what the cities were like before the quake. There had been a big public health scare then, too. After Cascadia, E. coli leached into the water supply when the sewer lines broke. In response, Local communities had organized drives for water purifiers. And the universities open sourced their research into bacteriophagic water additives. But those solutions arose only because an informed populace had the know-how to ask for and develop them. They understood the risk and acted appropriately. The knowledge that E. coli wasn't at all politically controversial. At least not at the time. It was a bad mark on the lobby that had pushed to privatize the sewers entirely. But that story came later. No one actively tried to suppress the information as it emerged. At the moment, another public health crisis might be brewing right under Tacoma's nose. And if someone didn't break the story, then no one would be the wiser until it was too late. Someone knocked on the window of Glory's auto, trying to sell her soup, out of a massive barrel on wheels. She waved them away and refocused on the Weathers family. Tyrone Weathers' mother was indeed a member of the church council at Shenandoah Baptist. She was right there on the church's website and in its social profiles. Her signature project was the church auction. The money it raised was split between improving the church building and funding a community health clinic with a clean needle site. Tyrone himself had, according to his profiles, been active in the church's youth group. It met on Wednesday evenings from seven to nine. There was no mention of volunteer football coaching, but there was mention of mission work. And right there, right under the missionary headline, was a single bullet point, detainee outreach. She could guess the rest. Tyrone had played a nice game of touch football with kids up at the detention center on the other side of the Puyallup River. It was exactly the type of service day his church would approve of him leading. But he'd caught something that was going around, just like any other kid might while playing an innocent game of catch. And now he was dead. And probably so were a lot of other kids, kids who had never had a shot at a starting lineup who had never had a shot at anything. Glory still hadn't been able to reach Mrs. Weathers, or any of Tyrone's other family members, to confirm his participation in that outreach. The family had locked all their accounts by now and issued only a single statement from the same crisis management firm, thanking people for their condolences and asking for privacy. There would be no interviews, no appearances. On their respective walls were messages from local parents and other community members expressing their concern and sympathy and saying that they were considering pulling their own children from school until more was known about whether the stomach flu was contagious or a case of extremely violent food poisoning combined with a hard-working athlete's unique case of dehydration. But no one from the Weathers family had responded. As far as Glory was concerned, it was a little weird. The last time a major flu outbreak had hit the community, the PTA was up in arms about it, and social feeds were alive with mommy bloggers hawking raw vinegar cures. But Mrs. Weathers hadn't fed into that at all. And neither had Chastity Kane's parents. They too had locked all their accounts. Even Tyrone's and Chastity's accounts were locked. It was almost as though they had all agreed to keep quiet, or as though they had been made to agree by a firm in Seattle's most expensive office building, almost as though the information about Tyrone's illness and its possible spread was embargoed. When Glory refreshed the team pages, more accounts had followed suit. She pinged Billings, are any more of your players sick? I have no comment at this time. So they are sick, I have no comment at this time. Are you sick? How are you feeling? You were in contact with them too. And I saw today you had to cancel another game. Where are you? Glory didn't answer, let Billings sweat a little. The longer Mark worried, the more likely he was to give up something good. She deliberately turned her device over and folded her arms. Not since high school had she worked so hard to avoid texting him back. But the old skills were still there. She could remember what that particular strain of self-discipline felt like. Dealing with him always meant finding hidden reserves of it. She didn't need him, she reminded herself. She had other sources. She could break the story without him. Their son would be in high school by now. The same age as Tyrone, he might have played football, or maybe not. Maybe he would have been not much of a team player, like his mother. Or maybe he would have surprised them, been someone totally different. Some chess prodigy, or programming genius, or one of those creepy kids who developed his own particular color of mold. Now they would never know. The adoption was private, enclosed. It was that fact which Mark could never forgive. It wasn't the decision to give up their son. It was the choice not to leave a trail of breadcrumbs behind. At least, that was what he'd said at the time. But Glory had her doubts. Another knock jolted her out of her thoughts. Glory recognized the kid on the other side of the glass and popped open the door. A kid with leopard print hair and a shiny red jumpsuit slid into the auto. Sorry about that, Jag said. They smelled like bubblegum vapor in new shoes. The jumpsuit squeaked as they wriggled down into the seat. Took forever. It's fine, Glory said, short notice. She held out the photo. It looked so ludicrous and antiquated in her hand like holding out a fax still warm from the machine. What can you tell me about this number? It's a chat line, Jag said. The prefix looks like Telmex, but it could be spoofed. Sometimes you can get bounced around, but I bet the end user is somewhere else down south. Glory flipped the photo over. Is this what I think it is? The kid shrugged. Probably. They rolled their neck until it popped audibly. You ever been out there? Once, a year ago, to cover a protest. I couldn't breathe through my nose for a week. You? Jag shook their head. It's a bad idea for someone like me. I'm on enough lists as it is. Right. What are you looking for out there? Glory fingered Tyrone's face on the photo. Something I hope isn't there. Glory paid cash for an off-license bus to take her to a casino where she could ping the number as anonymously as possible. Since the pipeline agreements, the reservation internet had the best privacy. The NSJI net, loosely named for the helpful spider grandmother, was a lot more stable and secure than its colonial competitors. It was built to withstand sudden and prolonged outages. It also had a rather prickly relationship with the NSA, based on a very specific Supreme Court ruling regarding both the Fourth Amendment and native sovereignty. It was, in short, the best network from which to access a source. And the price of the call was the cost of a bus ticket and an all day breakfast buffet. Glory plowed her way through a Bannock taco and a raspberry tea latte, before digging out her burner. She scoped the restaurant before punching in the numbers. It was mostly empty, people preempting their hangovers, a crew of bachelorettes, an elderly couple of Vietnamese night owls, who had long since lost their perception of diurnal time. She waited on the line, it rang and rang. The tone sounded far away, underwater. She imagined all the cities the call was hopping through, leapfrogging from place to place, dialect to dialect. Finally, a chime sounded, and a voice sounded. It belonged to a woman. She spoke in Spanish. In Spanish, Glory said, I found a photo with this number on it. On the other end of the line, the woman burst into tears. Where is he? she asked. Where is my son? Where is Hector? Is he still there? I'm in Tacoma, Glory answered. When was your son there? He's been there all year, the woman answered. But then he got sick, and now they won't let me talk to him. Glory's heart sank into a pit in her stomach. It sat there, rock hard and cold. When was that? The last call was last month, the woman said. Have you seen him? No, I haven't, Glory said. I'm sorry. Do you know if he's all right? I don't. It was an honest answer, or so she told herself. The truth would be too hard to explain in another language. The truth would be too hard to explain in any language. How could she explain that Hector had been photographed standing arm in arm with a boy who was now dead? That Tyrone had been the picture of health, and now his funeral was being planned. What was he sick with? Glory asked, did they tell you? Hector said, they called it the broom, his mother said. When Glory arrived back home, Billings was waiting for her. He sat in the little lobby in front of a fire that had long since stopped working. The weird blobs of furniture looked vaguely like macro close-ups of bacteria. He perched in a lime green puffball that didn't seem to want to let him go when he tried standing up. She know you're here? Glory asked. Don't, he said. Probably bad for you to show up. Glory added, as she fished in her bag for a fob. We've got facial recognition in this lobby, and you've always been very searchable. Wouldn't want anybody getting any ideas. The school board, your wife, we're not married. Oh, That makes it all better. Glory fobbed herself into the elevator. She turned to him. Well, are you coming? They didn't speak until she'd let them into her place. It wasn't much more than a container with a sleeping bench along one side, and a set of small kitchen appliances on the other. The books provided all the insulation. Still smells the same, Illing said. Like your room, I mean. It smells like your room used to smell. Yeah, well, I'm lucky they still make my conditioner. Glory poured them drinks. It was the condo's very own brand, the cheap kind the store downstairs got in bulk. Apparently, the real estate developers also owned some distilleries. Lately, it was like no one company did any one thing any longer. The dating services sold makeup, the makeup company sold playlists, and the condo sold booze so you wouldn't leave the house. She handed a glass to Billings. Where were you? He asked, casino, did you win anything, some information? She collapsed onto the bench and swirled her drink in its glass. If she let the ice cubes melt out a little, it wouldn't taste so cheap. She brought the photo out from her bag and held it up. When did he visit Kidmo, Mark? How long ago was it, do you know? Don't call it that. She tucked the photo into her shirt. I think that's what the kids themselves call it, or so I'm told. We're not really allowed to talk about it at my place of employment. Is that why you haven't published your piece? That's one reason. The other reason is that if I breathe a word of it to my editor, she'll probably fire me. The company that owns and operates the near center? Well, its affiliates are a big source of ad revenue, which means I need all the facts. She sipped her drink. Did you know that during the Japanese internment, dysentery was so common at the Jerome Relocation Center that they called it Jerome disease? Billings hung his head. No, I did not know that. Did you know that by 1947, only 25% of Israeli citizens were concentration camp survivors? But those survivors, accounted for over 60% of all tuberculosis cases in the entire country. You've been doing your homework. 20% of the survivors at Belson had TB. One fifth. Those who lived had it for the rest of their lives. And the armed forces that liberated the camps took TB all over the world when they went home. And that's just one disease, There was dysentery, scabies, typhus, malaria. They didn't have those diseases when they went in, and it wasn't some big experiment either. The conditions made them sick. Billings held his hands open. I don't know what you want me to say, Gloriana. I want you to help me get my foot in the door with Mrs. Weathers, she can confirm everything, or she will, eventually especially once it starts happening to other kids. Glory's head tilted. You didn't just show up here out of concern for my well-being, Mark. You saw something that scared you, and I bet it has to do with the wearables your starting lineup has. Any of them feeling feverish lately? Billings raised his gaze to meet hers. If I tell you, will it be off the record? People are dying, Mark. Kids. Your kids, he ran a hand through his hair. She had never noticed until now, just how much it had thinned in recent years. They haven't let a reporter in one of those places in years. It's a big deal that Tyrone and his youth group were even allowed in. He was proud of it. He said they had to sign a million forms. That's probably why Tyrone's parents hired PR people. You heard about that, huh? She pulled the photo back out of her shirt. She held it in front of his face. His name is Hector. I talked to his mom today. I don't know much about her, but I'm willing to bet she can't afford some big fancy crisis consultant to help track down her son. And I didn't have the heart to tell her that what happened to Tyrone had probably already happened to her boy. And that it was probably going to happen all over again to some other kid. Other kids, Billings stared at the photo. Occasionally his focus would break, but inevitably, it would always return. There was his star player, his great shining hope, standing next to a stranger. Do you know what it is? He asked, flu, something else? No, I don't know, but I think you and I are sitting on a story that's big enough to get the CDC to investigate that center. Me and you? You and me. She nodded at his jacket. You've got the wearable data from your players. You know who's sick and who isn't. You're the difference between somebody paying attention to the story because it hits people locally and everyone forgetting about it because it happens to people with numbers instead of names. A month later, after some of the dust had settled, she showed up at the Weathers family home. It wasn't quite a McMansion, more like a fast, casual castle. She brought a burner device and a box of intimates. Mrs. Weathers answered the door, she still wore black, Glory heard Mrs. Kane's voice in the house. The two women had been spending time together, mourning their children. The Tacoma Titans, the name the mothers had chosen for themselves over the past few weeks, had been doing a lot of that. Gloriana, Mrs. Weathers said, We were just talking about you. Uh oh, Glory said. Mark was telling us some of the stories from when you were growing up together. Double, uh-oh, she said, as Mrs. Weathers took the box of pastries and ushered her into the house. It smelled of flowers, real ones. A portrait of Tyrone hung over the fireplace. His trophy sat on the mantel beneath. The last time Glory had been there, she'd been sitting on a couch in full view of that fireplace. Answering questions about her investigation of Tyrone's death for the video component of her own local news team. She and Mrs. Weathers had spoken into the same drone, sharing a live feed across relevant platforms, reaching other mothers in other cities, telling them about the dangers they thought could never reach them. Did you sign with those movie people yet? Gloria asked, they won't give me a producer credit. Mrs. Weathers said, I can wait, that's the spirit. Thank you for walking me through that contract, by the way. It's no trouble, I've had to read my share of predatory content agreements. Might as well put the experience to good use. I just want to make sure the story gets out in the right way, Mrs. Weathers said, the rumors that flew around after. She trailed off. Glory nodded. The other woman didn't have to say more. A huge amount of disinformation had accompanied the arrival of the story. Mrs. Weathers and all the parents suddenly had to deal with people questioning the very roots of the story, whether or not they even had children, much less dead ones who'd caught an entirely preventable ailment, spawned by close quarters, bad food, and lack of hygiene. Taking control of the narrative meant processing their loss over and over again in public. Until now, their privilege had insulated a number of these women from the worst the world had to offer. But the pain of losing a child was the closest thing to a universal human experience Gloriana could think of. It hurt just the same no matter who you are. The only thing money bought was better strategies for coping. It's almost time, Glory said. Ride, Mrs. Weather said. Ladies, she called into the kitchen. We're almost ready to go. They gathered in the living room. There was iced tea and deviled eggs and smoked salmon and Nanaimo bars. It looked like an afternoon tea or a book club meeting. It did not look like what it was. It did not look like the opportunity to reach out to the one boy these women had worked so tirelessly to find. The one whose face smiled next to Tyrone's, the one whose name lived on their lips. The one who had survived and testified and gone home. Glory put the device in the center of the coffee table. She watched as Mrs. Weathers punched in the number. A moment later, Hector answered, I'll get my mom he said. She's been waiting all day. So have we, Mrs. Weather said. But why don't we catch up with you first? Across the room, Mark raised his glass of iced tea. Glory did the same.